Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. I'm your host, Angela Harders. I am a special education teacher, the author of Gospel-Based Parenting and the Crunchy Kids series, and a proud world schooling mom to two awesome children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to an amazing mom, Bevan Clare. Bevan, thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thanks for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. All right, so to get us started, can you share with us a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Sure. Uh, So I am a, um, a mom, and I'm also a professor at the Maryland University of Integrative Health, where I direct the Master's of Science in Clinical Herbal Medicine program. Uh, and so, you know, for me, most, most of my professional life has always been around herbal medicine, uh, nutrition. I'm also a, a nutritionist and these areas of, of health and wellness. But I've also always been a, a world schooling, homeschooling mom. And uh, more recently, I've been talking more about that than I have about the other pieces. So it's <laughs> like my personal and professional lives are kind of merging a little bit in that way. Um, they always have naturally from my side. And I have two kids. Um, I have um, Alexander, who's 11, and Cassia, who is eight. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, And I would love to hear more about what inspired you to start homeschooling. Well, I've always been a traveler. I mean, my my whole life, I've always loved to travel. And, And I think it was one of those things... I, you know, before you become a parent, there's all these, all these people that will be like, well, you'll find out, or once you're a parent, you know, and, and, and they say these things. And I think for the most part, they're right. You know, you just, they're like, the days go so fast or it goes so quickly or something. And you're like, no way. And then, and then, <laughs> wow, you look back and it went quickly. Um, but then there's certain things that people say, you know, it's going to be this way or that way. And you're like, no, it's not. And uh, for me, people always said, oh, well, I hope you get the travel out of your system before you have kids. And, uh, oh, you know, you won't be able to travel anymore with little ones. And right. I was like, that is not going to be my situation. I'm going to, in fact, before my son, who was my first, was born, uh, we bought a plane ticket to Vietnam. And I was like, I don't know what it's going to be like to be a mom, but I've already got this plane ticket. So he's coming <laughs> with me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I've really always wanted to do that. And that's always gone really well. And that freedom and flexibility of approach and ability to just have my kid outside and, um, and experiencing the world and, and uh, active learning and so on. And, you know, when it was preschool time, because I've always worked, uh, it was so hard to find a preschool that that fit what I wanted to do. I mean, I kept going to these places where everyone was so nice, but I was like, I, 
I was like, so they just be in here all day, you know, like just <laughs> doing, they're like, oh, they can learn this and that. And I'm like, oh, I know. But, and then I finally went to a preschool that had like cubbies of really muddy boots and clothes. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh yeah, this is the place I want to go. Is that a farm? And so on. So then it was um, kindergarten time. And I just, when I went, I just kept asking them questions of like, how much can I miss? No, I mean, like really before I get in like legal trouble, how many days <laughs> can I keep my kid out of school? And like, what happens if I do more than that? And I mean, I just went on and on. And, uh, and the principal of the school was like, do you really want to be that person? I mean, they, they, you know, they were like, this is school is like, it's a community. Like you're either in or out and it's, it's, nobody's going to like it if you're, if you're like just trying to get out of it all the time, if you thought about homeschooling and I had, but that was really, to me, I was like, yeah, you know, this person's really right. If I, if we're going to do school, I want to, I want to be part of that. Like I want to be in, in the community and active and have my kids feel like this is a really pl a place we're really invested in. And, um, and I wasn't so, you know, so the, the natural thing was, okay, well homeschool. So we've homeschooled from the beginning. Wow. That is amazing. I, I love that you love to travel and that you were able to really confront a lot of those misconceptions that people have about like, oh, once you have kids, you know, you'll kind of have to put, put that your own love of traveling. You'll have to put that aside. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're, you're really committed to not just creating travel opportunities for yourself, but also creating a love of travel with your children too. And um, that's been something that's been really important to me, of course, due to COVID. We haven't been able to travel as much as I as I would like or as I would hope that we could. Um, but, you know, growing up, I my parents, you know, we would always go on a family vacation every year and we would have, um, you know, we would usually take like one or two weeks that we would go somewhere in the world, you know, like we would go to Europe or um, Hawaii. One year we went to Guatemala. That was my pick <laughs> going to a third world country. Um, that was my passion. And then of course, as I got to be a high schooler, I started traveling more. Um, I'm wondering what did travel look like for you when you were growing up? Like, did your parents also take you on trips? Is that kind of where your love of travel started or how did your, your passion for traveling the world begin? Yeah. So I think it did start. Um, it started when I was a kid and it started when my, um, I think it started when my mom stayed home when we were little I got involved in like a you know multi-level marketing cosmetics kind of thing and uh and w could win these trips so she started winning these trips because they hadn't traveled at all and um we didn't have much money and there was definitely no travel budget but she started winning these trips and going on them with my dad and and I and then I think they realized oh wow you know, there's some value to this. So then they would try to find like bargains um, and take us all. Like we go on, I mean, I don't even know if people do this. I guess they still do, but like go on like a charter flight and go to a resort for, you know, an off season when it was really cheap or something. Yeah. So we did that. But I remember like every time we'd leave the resort, I'd be much more interested. You know, I'd be mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, people live here and oh, check it out. And, and so I think by the time I was like 11 or 12, I would you know, this is, I don't know how old you are, but for me that like I would get the newspaper and I would go to the consolidator pages. Cause that's where you get deals. Like there was no, you know, they were all consolidators like in New York and places like that. And they'd have these little tiny ads with their, and I was a kid. Um, and I think long distance phone calls were free by then, I think, or they'd have 1-800 numbers or something. Yeah. So I would like pick places on the globe and then I would call these people and I'd be like, 
you know, I want to find out like a ticket. A t- I want to get some prices for tickets to these different places because there was no internet and travel yeah. agents were kind of expensive. And so I would just do this exhaustive amount of research and find super bargains to different places in the world and then convince wow. my parents because they'd say like, oh, we can save <laughs> up and go, you know, here or there. And I'm like, but, you know, it's cheaper if we go to Morocco or if we go to somewhere else. And so and then we all kind of got into it and became much more interested in travel. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's always just been a huge central part of, of my life. And in fact, if I wasn't attached to a spouse and kids who really liked having a home base, we probably, I, I wouldn't have a home base, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, this is a, um, a, a group thing. So that's how it works. <laughs> that is awesome. How old were you when you started doing that? I'm sorry. I missed that part. I was probably like 11 or 12 or something along that's incredible you were like quite the (laughs) entrepreneur from a young age super into it so it's not (laughs) it's not surprising that this has ended up continuing to be um I mean whenever people yeah whenever people are like oh I like this Netflix show or I do this or that I'm like I don't really do any of that what I do is like I mean, I do some of it, but like I, I research and plan travel. Like I read mm. books about travel and I, I look at, you know, all different types of places to find great bargains. And, you know, I'm always ready. And I married somebody specifically that was like, sure, whatever you want to do, dear, as far as travel <laughs> goes. So I can like, I could be, you know, just recently in the middle of the night and I'm like on my little travel website because I can't sleep and I'm looking at stuff. I found this awesome deal and I like crawl over to my husband. And I'm like, do you mind if I go buy tickets to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, whatever you think, you know, so off I go. <laughs> it's like a formality. I just want to check, but, uh, um, but yeah, so that's been, that's kind of my life. It's uh, oh I know there's great deals out there and you just have to look for them. <laughs> okay. So I have to know, can you share some of your secrets? What are some of the resources that you use to help you find these awesome deals to help you and your family travel? Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of them. Um, you know, I wish there was like a secret thing, but I, you know, the first thing that I would say is that you need to be ready to jump. Like that's the big thing is like, there's often deals. Um, but then, you know, because people are like, tell me there's a next time, like an amazing deal. And I'll, I'll ping a few friends that, that want to know. And they're like, oh, wow. You know, I, I, I'm super busy today, but like tomorrow I can take a look. And then I need to ask my you know, partner or check in with my blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, this is probably going to be around for like a few hours. Like if you want to do this, you got to be ready to just Mm -hmm. jump on it. Um, And I know that that takes a lot for people, but also a lot of these things are not, they're not next week or next month. They're like six or eight months from away. And so, you know, you can do that. And um, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is, you know, there are um, like, companies out there like Scott's cheap flights and, um, uh, secret flying. Those are two that I use. Uh, but I actually think that I found more things fooling around with Google flights. And, um, one of the things that I know we were going to talk about today is I have some courses, uh, under the, the kind of tagline ready to roam. And I teach people how to plan travel, including how to find all these deals, because a lot of the times, you, you know, I've found more deals on my own than I have from, from websites and things. And, uh, and oftentimes when you get the ones on websites, you're like, that's great, but it's not the right time period for me. Like, I don't want to go in January or something. Um, so I find that there's actually, you know, ways of using Google flights if you know how to use it. So uh, there's a whole section of the course that's just on 
it's like many videos on how to just use Google flights to find bargains. And there's some really good, good ways to do that. And you can end up with, you know, fantastic, amazing things. Um, but it does take, it does take a little bit of time, but it's, it's worth it, you know, a couple of minutes a day and you can keep an eye on it. Yeah. Well, and I will make sure that I include uh, the link for your course in the description. So in case anyone is interested in learning more about how to find these awesome deals sure. and hopefully either continue or start um, you know, a travel bug in your family, mm-hmm. um, then I'll make sure that you have access to that. So check out the show notes so you can see that. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned too, that I, I felt like I really resonated with was that you mentioned when you went on the trip with your family that, you know, you went and you stayed in this resort but it was when you left the resort that you were like, man, I really want to like get out there. You know, I want to meet these people. I want to talk to these people. And I could so relate to that because I, I feel like there's, there's a real difference between traveling as a tourist Mm -hmm. and traveling as a world schooler. Um, and yeah, for me, you know, when I, when people travel as a tourist, they kind of do, they stay to those touristy locations or they stay in a resort and they really are, removed in a lot of senses from what you know real life is like for the people that are actually living in these countries around the world and so that was something that was really unique you know for me is that I I didn't want to just go to those touristy locations although they are fun you know and right um and there's of course a lot to do but I really saw a lot of value in getting to know the local people where wherever you're traveling and being able Mm -hmm. to um, have that, you know, immersion experience where, where you're going and living with families or, um, you know, kind of getting off the beaten path a little bit and, and, you know, getting connected with the real life people that are in the, in the places where you are. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, do you, do you prefer like the touristy stuff or have you also had opportunities to kind of go more, you know, in the local life, experiencing what the local people are, are living like? Um, do you like to do a balance of both? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great topic because it's so true, right? We go, we go to places, um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to like go on a vacation, have everything be super taken care of, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think cruises are the classic thing where you can just like, I remember we, I've never, I've been on some like long boat rides, but not really cruises so much. And somebody once gave a review of one I was looking at and they were like, it's so great. Cause you can go experience a little bit of the culture. You can come back on the boat in the afternoon. You can have your American beer with your American conversation and your American food. And, and, you know, and I was like, oh gosh, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, this, one's, this is definitely not for me, this, this piece, but there's nothing wrong. So we do a, a mix of both. Like often when we land in a country, um, especially if like the travel is very long and overwhelming, we'll go straight to someplace that's just like a nice pool or a nice beach and a nice comfortable hotel, a good breakfast and like chill out. Um, And that's great. And then I think the cool thing about immersing yourself in culture is that you can, you can choose how much you want to do. So like, if you, you know, if that, if that is comfortable for you to stay in a place like that, um, which is great because that's often is comfortable. You can spend all day out doing all sorts of things and connecting with people. Um, and, uh, and there's so much to do. I think with technology, we're able to immerse ourselves and with children. I mean, children is just like create these opportunities. I mean, you know, kids find other kids. They all, every child speaks the language of play. And so it doesn't matter where they are, um, or what language they speak. They just suddenly start playing. And, um, and I love that too. And so, 
you know, the, the other thing, and I, you know, we talk a lot about this in the course is like that, that because of technology, because of things like Google Maps, you can find out where locals like to go. I mean, Google Maps is not a tourism. I mean, there are lots of things about it for tourists, but actually it's mostly local things. So if you're looking for like parks that are fun or restaurants or anything like that that are popular, it's all there. You just have to know how to find it. And then you can go to those same places. So, um, so yeah, I love, you know, doing things that local people do and, and being, feeling like you're more in touch with, with what's happening. Um, and then sometimes I like to go back to my bubble and, you know, I will say it also depends on where you're traveling too, because of course, in some countries, the socioeconomic difference between tourists and locals means that if you're at like tourist hotels and things, you won't be experiencing a lot of locals other than the staff and so on. But on other parts of the world, like Europe or, um, places where there is less of um, a discrepancy between the socioeconomic status of the, you know, so what you, you, you know, people that'll be staying at hotels and things could also be locals or not necessarily right there, but traveling around their own country. Um, China is a great example of that, where there's a lot of Chinese tourists um, everywhere you go. And so even if you're at the most touristy things or the most touristy facilities, uh, most people around you are still, Chinese. So it still feels like you're doing something totally um, immersive and exotic, even though everyone is a tourist. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about, about that before, you know, that there are places where the local people are also kind of tourists in their own right. environment. And, and I think that's something really important to mention because before the pandemic happened, I actually wrote a, a blog about this, about how to become a world schooler. And, um, and I, of course I wrote about you know, the, the importance of travel and going to another country. And I know that for, you know, most Americans, a lot, there are a lot of Americans that never leave the United States that don't own a passport, you know, that don't get to experience another country or another culture, which I do believe is really valuable. But I also wanted to emphasize the point that even if you don't have a passport, although I do think everyone, you know, should get one and go for it, like make a trip somewhere in the world. Um, even if you don't, you can still be a world schooler in your own country, right where you live, even in your own backyard. Like you don't have to travel to these exotic places to be a world schooler and to learn from the place where you're living, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and I think about that because, so I think one of the, there's a lot of valuable things I think about travel for, for families and children and adults. Um, but, you know, one of the, the pieces is that for, is, if you're lucky, um, if you're lucky enough to be comfortable and to raise children comfortably, then they're really pretty comfortable. And I think that one of the things that that creates resilience in our life is discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about lack of safety. I'm talking about discomfort. I'm talking about feeling um, like maybe like you don't necessarily fit in, like this is a really new environment. You don't really understand how things work. You have to be flexible. I mean, you know, everything is really different. And I think that type of, um, that, that creates a resilient child. Uh, and, we, you know, and again, we can do this in our own country. I know you and I both live in Maryland. There are parts of Maryland I've been to where if you just drop me down there, I'd be like, I'm in El Salvador or I am in, <laughs> 
Korea, um, South Korea. I mean, it was just like, there's places like this. And so, you know, you can talk to people who live in a place that are like, yeah, I've never gone into that like Asian food store where there's the food court and all of that. Yeah. I've never been there. And so that's even, you know, a great place to start. And, you know, you go in, you're like, I don't know what anything is. I don't know <laughs> what I can eat. I don't know like how this works. Though even yeah. like that feeling as a traveler, I, I love it because I'm just, I'm safe. There's nothing wrong, but I get this opportunity to like, you know, expand my understanding and my familiarity with different things. Um, and I also get my kids to feel comfortable in those places where we're all trying to figure out how things work and how different they are. Um, you can do that close to home. It just takes getting out of, uh, of your box a little bit. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing that up. And I love the grocery store idea. I feel like that's such a practical way. Like food is such an important part of culture. And literally by going into these like international grocery stores, it is, it is like stepping foot into another country and uh, like uh, almost sometimes it feels like another world, you know, um, and really, you know, giving yourself the opportunity to feel uncomfortable, like you mentioned and, and explore something new, you know, and uh, I think that's one of my favorite things about being a world schooler or an unschooler is that it's not just about my children, you know, learning new things, but that, you know, I, as a parent, I also get to learn new yeah. things and experience new things. And, and we just have the privilege of learning and experiencing those new things together, which I think is beautiful. It is. <laughs> we it love really it. Is. Um, I would love to know what are, what is your favorite country that you have traveled to? Oh, that's so hard. I know. I mean, I, it's so hard because I love different countries for different things. And I feel like, or your favorite few top, top. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like you put on like different, I mean, there's, there's, there's places where, um, yeah, you just really connect with, and you feel like they're just part of you. And then other part places where you're like, Hey, you know, it was all right. But, um, I think one of the, the, my favorite countries that I've been to, um, so I'll, I'll give two because one of them is really pretty inaccessible for our listeners. And so it's, it feels a little elitist, but we just happen to be able to get there on a bargain, which is um, Rarotonga is in the Cook Islands. And it's a Melanesian island in the middle of literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's just nothing out there. Mm. But what's really cool about Rarotonga is that um, it has a pretty uniform population. You can't live there unless you're born in Rarotonga. Um, oh, you can wow. go stay for a little bit. And they've never been colonized. Um, so they have this incredibly intact culture. Like you, you know, you go to, you go to the grocery store or something. And so all the women are kind of like, it's, you know, it, so Moana was based on the, that group of islands. Like when you think of Moana, so all the women are like kind of like big breasted and big hipped and they wear these colorful moomoos and they wear fresh flower lays every day. Like they, you know, you're just going to the food store. You got to wear that beautiful flower <laughs> lay. So they have just, so the culture is just so palpable everywhere and it's just shockingly beautiful. Um, and uh, so I really love that. Uh, a little bit closer to home for a lot of people. And I love Mexico. I think Mexico is one of those crazy countries where all you have to do is like scratch the surface and get a little bit further away. Um, you know, we go almost every year, the pandemic has changed that a little bit for Mexico, but we go, uh, you know, we'll just fly into Cancun because it's super close and cheap for us. And then going into Merida and all of the, um, the Ruta Puk and the Ruta de Maya and all the ruins and those um, small Mayan towns and villages all over 
the Yucatan Peninsula are phenomenal. And all, I mean, you go to Cancun, you stay in a nice hotel, get situated, grab a rental car and off you go. Um, and it's just so culturally immersive and super fun. Um, so I love that. And, uh, and then I think a third place I will mention that I was really surprised that I didn't think I would like, and, uh, really captured a place in my heart is, um, Abu Dhabi. And that's, um, you know, a lot of your listeners may not have thought about traveling to the Middle East, but we, we went during COVID, um, and spent six months when we decided that the U S wasn't the best place for us. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it just, it, it really, you know, the, it's so exotic, just the, the desert and the camels everywhere and the sand and the culture and um, incredibly, I've never felt anywhere so safe before. So, wow. you know, that was a place, so much interesting arts and, um, and food. And so we really loved it there too. And it can often be affordable to get there from the U.S. relative to other places. Have you been to all those places with your children as well? Or were those places you went kind of prior to having kids? So my kids and I have been to, uh, you know, I try not to count up, but I was doing it recently because we were doing our global entry applications. Um, But we've been to 40 countries, the kids and I together and um, alone. I've been to a lot, a lot more than that. Um, Yeah, it might be closer to 50 now. I'm not really sure. We just got back from a, from a trip, but, um, but yeah, so they've traveled all over the world, the kids to every continent, um, but, uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll have to add that one on your list once you check off all the other ones. <laughs> you know, if somebody wants to give me a trip to Antarctica, we will hop on a boat anytime, but, <laughs> but, you know, it sounds like a really exotic life and we are really privileged to have any money to spend on travel, mm-hmm. um, because we do, but, you know, we really, um, I really spend a lot of time looking for deals and making sure we keep it affordable. And it is, you know, I often find I spend less money when I'm away than when I'm home. Um, I always joke around like going to Mexico in the winter, I probably can fund my whole trip on what I save on heating bills. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, so because everything is so inexpensive if you're traveling in, a, in the right way. So yeah, yeah, that is very, very true. There, there are definitely places in the world. I, I know, you know, when we were in Guatemala, I mean, you can live very comfortably there for 500 $600 a month, you know, yeah. and um. Yeah. So it is, I mean, you definitely do have to be strategic about, you know, where you're going, the time of year that you're going, the, you know, the places that you're going while you're there, but it is definitely affordable. Like you don't have to spend, you know, $10,000 on a trip to to go somewhere, five grand, you know, to go somewhere. It's, you can definitely do it a lot, a lot more affordable than what most people would think. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you have to get into a different mode. Like people have, you know, home and work mode, and then they have like vacation mode. And you can't really totally go there because I I mean, people will say to me all the time, they'll see me with the kids, you know, we'll be like doing some math or something or well, you know, or whatever. And they'll be like, ah, you know, don't worry about it. You're on vacation. I'm like, well, actually we're, you know, if we, if we did, if we didn't do like, if I ate in vacation mode all the time, that would be a problem because we travel (laughs) like seven or eight months of the year. So, you know, um, so we just, you know, there's a third mode and that is like long-term travel. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can't do special things, but we often, so one of the things we like to do is we tend to move around a little bit, but we'll stay somewhere really affordable, um, for a little while. And then we'll go to somewhere that's more like splashy and nice for a little bit. And then we'll, you know, and try to even it out. And so, you know, just thinking about it and it's good for the kids, you know, they, 
they learn how to make those decisions as well. When I'm like, well, if we want to do that, then that probably means that over the next two days, then we need to make sure that we're, you know, making our own food or something versus, you know, but we can just, is that what everybody wants to do? And so, so we do sometimes. That's really cool. I love that you're, you include your children in the process of thinking through a lot of the financial aspects of your trip. Um, and I'm sure that you're including them in other aspects as well. What are some ways that your children contribute to your traveling experience as a family? Well, I think that they learn to interact with people in different places. And, um, you know, like, like a lot of homeschoolers, they, they like adults, you know, they, I think that that's always one of the differences between homeschool and public school kids is that homeschool kids are often really used to talking with adults. Mm -hmm. Um, they are, they are by necessity, you know, very flexible around food and, and things like that. Um, and I think one of the biggest ways that they contribute is, you know, so I think when they're home, they're sheltered from a lot of like the adult things that happen in life. Like they don't have to worry about a lot, some of the logistics because they happen behind the scenes, but when we're traveling, they do need to deal with those things and, um, and they need to deal with the consequences of them. I mean, travel, especially like during COVID and especially when you're crossing a lot of international borders and stuff or flights, like there's, there's, there is going to be complications and there are going to be moments that, um, things are not ideal. And so they have to deal with some kind of like adult things, stressful situations, but again, not safety stuff, you know? And, and I love, I love it when like, I'm dealing with something and I'm getting stressed and my 11 year old can look at me and then look at his sister and go like, let's go over here and play. So mommy can deal with this. Or sometimes he'll say, mom, this is out of our control. So let's just have a good time. And I, I say that, but I like, there's times where I forget, you know, where I'm like, ah, what are we going to do about this and that? And of course that's, he's right. You know, it's like, there are times when it's just, I have no control over what's happening at that moment. Like, you know, we can't get on that flight that we were supposed to. So everything is going to fall apart at the other end. And at that moment, there's nothing we can do. So like, we can either be miserable or we can have some fun. So we figure it out. Yeah, fun is definitely the more fun fun choice in that situation, although I'm sure it can be very, very stressful, you know, to feel right. like you're out of control in, in a lot of the things that are happening when you're, especially when you're abroad, that can be really challenging. Um, yeah. what, are, what are some other challenges that you guys have faced as a world schooling family and how did you overcome them? Well, I think traveling during COVID was, you know, has been really different and interesting and it's made me appreciate a lot of what's going on. So, um, so we were traveling during COVID and then, then it was time to come home. So we came home right as everything closed down. And I was like, I was like an animal in a cage. I was also just like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to like bake stuff and I'm going to just relax into being here and, you know, settle in and, and that worked. And then in the summer of 2020, um, last summer, I was like, you know, I, I, so I have a master's in infectious disease. So I have a pretty good idea of what was going on. And I was like, things are not going to be pretty here in the fall and the winter, and we're going to be inside and it's going to be difficult. And I want to get out of here. So, so I just started doing a lot of research into what, um, and looking into what our options were. And of course it was a whole new world. I mean, used to, it used to be like, you just buy a plane ticket. And unless you're like, I wonder if I want to go to Algeria, you don't have to check. Like, am I allowed to, what tests do I have to have? I mean, you know, none of that. <laughs> so, um, so I learned a lot about that. And actually one of the things I've 
done is I've created a free, it's a totally free course on how to travel during COVID-19 that's um, on my website. And it's everything that I wish I knew before I started, like how to find out about all that. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges and how to like keep my family safe, um, how to deal with the logistics and make sure that I was fully prepared for those things, how to not stress out about it too much. And then also how to be responsible. For me, that was a really important part of world schooling during the pandemic. I didn't want to like bring my family somewhere where we might potentially overload the healthcare situation or make other people vulnerable. So, you know, all of those things came into to play as we decided what would be the right thing to do at that moment. Mm. Is there something looking back over all these years that you've been a, tr- a world schooling family? Um, is there something that you wish that you would have done different? I mean, I think anytime you make a decision that's unconventional for your kids, you question whether it's the right decision. I mean, I, I think that's just human. I, you know, I think that there's a million and one moments of affirmation where you're like, yes, this is the right thing. But then there's moments where, you know, it's just a question of, wait, am I just being selfish because this mm-hmm. is the life I want to live or is it in this, or is this actually the best for my children? Yeah. So, um, so I think those moments happen all the time. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, last night we were at a, like a um, Christmas tree lighting community, like festival thing. And my daughter was watching um, some kids perform on the stage. And she looked at me and said, well, why don't I get to do that? And I was like, well, those kids are part of a dance company, you know, and they, they like go to dance classes at, you know, three times a week or something and they practice. And this is, you know, they're really um, invested in this. And she was like, well, I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well then let's talk about it. But the reality is that, um, that those types of things are much harder to do. And, um, And does that mean, I mean, she does dance summer camp, like those are concentrated time periods, but there's always a trade-off, you know? I mean, if you want to have really good friends, they can't be friends that you just hope to run into. You know, you have to invest in your friendships. And, um, and so we've been lucky to find people that like us enough to tolerate our crazy schedule. And I like to think that we try to be really good friends when we're away, where, you know, I, I don't know about your friendships, but a lot of mine are actually through like messenger and things like that. And we, mm-hmm. you know, we stay in touch. And so that can happen anywhere. And we just make sure that we prioritize those things. So I think that, you know, doing differently, we've learned to change some of those things as we would over the years. And uh, so far, so good. No, no regrets. But there's always, a, you know, part of me questioning things for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I do have another question too. Um, I know we're, we're running short on time, but I'm okay. You're I, fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you also about your home. I mean, we've talked a lot about world schooling, but I'm really curious about how you guys do the homeschooling piece. Um, do you have like a particular homeschooling style or, or how does that look for you and your kids as far as them, you know, learning while you're traveling around the world? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, it's so, it's so individual, but for us, um, so my husband and I are both academics. So we really, uh, we love learning, you know, that's the, my, my number one goal is to produce kids who love to learn. Um, and, and then to support them on what they, you know, their path is and our path is. So I would say we're eclectic. Um, my son has always, since he was just a baby has shown so much interest in like science and engineering and mechanics. I remember I'd like take him to the 
the aquarium or something. And I'd be like, look at the fishies. And he'd be like, mommy, the filter starts up there and the pipes are there. There's a valve there. And like, can we go see the pump room? You know? And I'm like, no, did you see the fishy? You know? And he's just like, you know? <laughs> so, so, so he's always shown a lot of interest in that. And my, my husband's a scientist. And I'm like, this kid is bound for that. So for us, it's like sticking with math for him has been really important. Um, you know, so, so I would say in a nutshell, without getting too detailed, math and language arts are something we're like pretty conventional with. We, we try to do that pretty much every day. Um, and so it doesn't take very long because it's over maybe 325 days a year or something that we try to do math and language arts. And then just about everything else happens naturally. Like they do some out school courses that are interest. And then of course, like all of our social science and history and stuff like that happen as we go through the world with what they're interested in. And occasionally like we're about to go on a trip um, for three months. And so sometimes I like that because I can think, okay, a three months, what do we want to do for three months? Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes I'll pick like a unit study that, that we're going to do um, for three months or a month and, and, you know, pick three of them. And then that kind of, it's kind of nice because it's such a break in routine and just think, all right, well, while we're, while we're away for this month, we're going to do this every day. And um, so, you know, we do some critical thinking, we do some information literacy stuff as well. Um, but, uh, but I would say eclectic mostly. And um, there's not, I, I would say for my older kid, we probably actively school for about an hour or so a day. And that's usually um, during mealtimes, like we'll bring stuff over while mm -hmm. we're sitting and eating somewhere uh, or early in the mornings. And for my younger one, a little less than that. And that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's enough for us to keep up with the things that we want to do. That's awesome. I, I know a lot of people when they first start thinking about homeschooling, um, a lot of them start with thinking they have to do school at home and kind right, of right. set up this like nine to three schedule of half an hour of science and half an hour of math and half an hour of language arts. And I, I love being able to hear from real world homeschooling moms that, you know, I feel like everyone that I talk to, they're like, no, homeschooling is not like that at all. Right, right, uh, right. And it is definitely not like the virtual learning that we were doing during COVID where the kids were like right. sitting on a computer for six hours a day. Like um, right. homeschooling is so much bigger than that, I feel like. And um, and yeah, I think when, when parents can really begin to see all of life as learning, um, and we can kind of let go a little bit of, of our preconceived notions of what learning is or what it's supposed to look like. And we can really create something that works for us. And I think that's awesome that, you know, you found that as far as the formal schooling goes, that you're able to do that in an hour or less. Right. Um, and I, I think to most, a lot of parents that might be shocking, like, oh my gosh, you only do one hour a day. Like, is that enough? Um, how would you answer a parent who's worried? Like, is an hour a day, is that enough? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. So you say that. So yesterday um, we actually only squeezed in about a half an hour and I'm just thinking, so we got up, we actually went on a little field trip. There's a science group that we're part of. So we saw the um, largest geodynamic simulator at the university of Maryland. And then we had some time to kill. We went for a little walk. We went to a nature center and they had all these different um, animals and in, in uh, habitats and cages that had been harmed in the wild. Oh. So we actually did a lot of like animal biology, probably none of this is counting. Right. And then um, it all, it all know, counts. It yeah, all exactly. counts. And then they're playing <laughs> and um, yeah. And then we did some like paint your own pottery stuff with a friend. And so there's our art. So it's funny because like, I think if I was to actually, I could be like, oh yes, we actually schooled yesterday for 
you know, seven hours. If I was to be like, oh yeah, there's the R and there's the PE and there's the health stuff that we did. And, but actually, I mean, it's hard to get my kids to sit in a chair, like, and to sit down and do something like math. Now, um, they also think it's really important. So like, that's, that's the thing is like, when you ask them, do you want to stop doing this? And they're like, yes, no. You know, they're like, I don't really want to do it, but I also know, I think it's really important for me to learn it. And I want you to get me to do it every day. So that's, you know, that, that I, it's, that's where it is. And I, I, so we're clearly not unschoolers, but I think my, um, I think my kids realize that, yeah, there's like certain investment that you put into your education, um, in that way. And so they can choose what they're interested in. Um, and so, you know, that, so that ends up, and that does mean sometimes us as parents being like, come on, we need to do this. Like, this is our commitment. And so, um, I think of it as like exercise as a parent where, you know, I, it's so easy to just let the day go by, but then I'm like, no, I need to like do this. This is my commitment to myself, um, to Mm. get off my butt, which I don't always manage to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and actually you brought up a good point too, because I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, unschoolers aren't using curriculum or aren't using like doing like formal learning or things like that. Um, but you know, the way that your son was expressing himself, I felt like that really, you know, resonated with me. And, and I guess what I imagine, um, unschooling to look like that, that there are times when it's like, ah, this maybe not, you know, maybe this isn't my favorite thing, or maybe I really don't want to, you know, do this necessarily, but I see the value in it. And so I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and, and that is a huge part of it, you know, like as, as unschoolers grow, you know, we see that, okay, I know that if I want to go to college, I know that I have to pass, you know, get a certain score on my SATs, or I have to take these other tests or whatever those other things are, you know, pass these math entry exams or whatever. Um, and so then they have a reason to do it. So even though, you know, maybe if they were left on their own and they're like, maybe I'm not going to do calculus today, right, you know, right. um, but, but because they have a reason to know calculus, whether that be getting into college or something else that's like on that stepping stone to achieving what their personal goals are, then they have a reason to do it. And, and it does, they learn it so much faster because even though yeah. they may not necessarily love it, they see the value in it. Um, just like your son said, you know, like, and I, and I, I think they're, yeah, they need parents um, to encourage them. I mean, I think it's the same thing around if if you've tried to help have your kids learn how to eat um, a balanced diet. That that it's like it they need that. Like that's that's why one of the reasons we have parents. I think is like is is to help encourage. Like, and, you know, and, and it's, I find my kids, I try to give them a lot of autonomy, but like, you know, my son will be like, I'm going to buy this. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, let's, can we, can we sit and talk about it for a minute? Like, this is this much money. And like, this is how long it took you to make that. And, you know, how, what do you think it'll be like in, you know, a few months from now, or do you want to wait 24 hours? So stuff like that. I'm not trying to stop him, but I also, you know, sometimes it's, it's like, I think we need that parents, that perspective around education and lifestyle and choices and all of that. And when, you know, uh, I, as a nutritionist, you know, my kids are constantly exposed to that. And I remember when my little one, one day one looked at me and she said, I know it's not good for my body, but I really want to eat it anyways. And I was like, awesome. Like that's, you know, it's a totally different thing to be like, I'm just going to eat that because I think it is good for me, but it's really not versus Mm -hmm. being like, I think this isn't like the best choice for my body, but I want it. So then I choose like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all about choice. And so um, it doesn't come down necessarily to choice in the very moment. Like, 
you know, when your kid says, I want to learn to type, you're like, well, you need to type every day then to learn to type. Mm. Um, it comes down to, they say, I want to learn to type. And it's like, all right, does that mean every day I'm going to, you know, try to encourage you to type or really put it on the list? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I need to do that. So then, then we do. Yeah. Parent, that's a, such a dance, isn't it? To make sure your kids feel like they have autonomy, but also the fortitude and perspective that parents can offer. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that that balance because, you know, we do, like we can bring in another, you know, perspective and being able to ask kind of those critical thinking questions. And I think it is that difference between coming down as this authoritarian, telling them what they're going to do or what they're not going to do versus giving them that autonomy, but then also being there to provide that, that feedback and that input and to ask them those deeper questions and encourage them to think for, about, you know, some different things that maybe they hadn't considered before. Um, it is a beautiful dance. I think that's really <laughs> brilliant. The way that you put it is, it is a beautiful dance. And, um, I think being able to, you know, navigate that with our children and, and learn how to have that balance with them and supporting them in the things that they're wanting, like their, their true, you know, goals and dreams and not just like the fleeting moment of like, oh, I just want this right now, you know, but right. Um, providing that I think is really valuable. Um, well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And actually, I like that you brought up typing too. I want to just kind of throw a plug in there too. Um, if your children are interested, are interested in typing, I actually designed a typing course oh, cool. um, for kids. So I, I was a reading teacher for a long time. And so I designed a typing course that teaches typing through phonics and spelling patterns. Um, so I'll make sure that I share the link in the notes for that. So in case anyone is interested in my reading and typing course, um, that's a great way that you can help supplement your kids, um, kids learning and then teach them a very valuable skill. Cause I feel like being able to type nowadays yeah. is so important. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I save so much time in my life because I can type over 90 words per minute, as opposed right. to the average person that can only type you know, 30 words per minute or versus the average child that is typing between like three and five words per minute. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, checking at it like that. So yeah, being able to, you know, help offer, um, you know, opportunities for our kids to learn these valuable life skills is, is a blessing. That's great. All right. Um, so Bevan, thank you so much for joining me, uh, today on the peaceful world schooling podcast. And for everyone else that's listening, I want to thank you for joining us as we had this awesome conversation about world schooling and homeschooling and traveling and just life as parents. Um, I hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, Bevan, before we sign off today, I want to make sure that people have an opportunity to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are ways that if someone's listening, they're like, Hey, I want to, you know, connect with Bevan and follow her on her journey. Um, how can people do that? So you can go to bevanclare.com. So that's B-E-V-I-N-C-L-A-R-E. There's no I, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it, uh, <laughs> .com. And uh, you can find out about courses. You can see that free, how to travel in COVID-19 course, uh, and, and then get on my newsletter social media links, all of that. And I am happy to, to give a discount for those courses. If your people are interested in, in being a traveler, um, it'll, it takes you all the way from choosing a destination in the world, figuring out your priorities. Uh, I show you my top like 30 or 40 destinations that I've really loved and, uh, buying the best plane tickets and creating an itinerary. That's really culturally rich that you can just do all by yourself and not have to go on a tour or anything like that. So, um, so I'll send a, a discount link along for your listeners and, uh, thanks for having me on today. 
Oh, thank you so much. I, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and so uh, make sure that you check out the show notes. Everything will be there. All those awesome links that Bevan shared with us and uh, some of those other resources. Also, I'm going to make sure that I put those there so you can start your own uh, world schooling journey and start planning out some awesome trips for you and your family. Please feel free to connect with either Bevan or me. We're more than happy to help you as you begin um, opening the horizons, expanding the horizons for yourself and for your children as you check out new places in the world. So thank you so much. Um, remember that there are new episodes of the podcast that are released every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you'll not miss out on a single one. And if you would like to support me and the work that I'm doing, please share this episode with your family and friends. And also feel free to check out my website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Thank you so very much. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. See you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the Reading and Typing Course, a revolutionary online typing program that teaches touch typing through spelling and phonics patterns. This program is perfect for children six and up, and it works great for adults too. So if you would like to sign up for the Reading and Typing Course and learn how to save time, money, and stress by learning how to type quickly, just click the link below in the description or go to www.peacefulworldschoolers.com downloads. Use the promo code PWP20 for a 20% discount.